0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Jovan Lazo, and today we have Doctor, future Dr. Sean Harris on here, and we're going to be interviewing two of our colleagues, um, two of our buddies at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy, Orlando campus, on their fellowship experience. So first off, I want to say congratulations to both of you, Ramon and Mai, on being accepted for your fellowships? And can you kind of just tell us a brief introduction about yourselves and where you'll be um, at for your fellowships?
1: Okay, so thank you for having us today. Um, so I'm Mai and um, essentially I'm the fourth year at um, the University of Florida College of Cancer, um, Orlando campus as well. And what I'll be doing is that I'll be uh, doing a two year fellowship at Bering or Ingelheim in Connecticut and it'll be focused primarily in regulatory affairs.
2: All right, and I'm Roman, and uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay. Um, I'm a f- fourth year at the Orlando uh, campus as well, the UF, and I'll be joining Johnson and Johnson as a clinical research fellow um, through the
0: Rutgers fellowship. Okay, so that's awesome. So we have BI and both Johnson and Johnson, and you said that's. Par- I've heard of the Rutgers fellowship program. That's like that that massive um, fellowship program. I think it's like 20 or something companies or something like that. So, okay. So you guys are are both doing fellowships. So once again, congratulations on that. So why did y'all choose to apply for a fellowship? All right. So I can start off with
2: that. So for me, um, prior to pharmacy school, I had industry experience. I worked at a pharmaceutical company, um, Bosch and Lom. I worked there as a microbiology technician so more like quality control and so for me i wanted like more just having more input in drug development um having more of a role in that so that's why i applied for pharmacy school uh, speaking to the compounding pharmacists there speaking to the consultant pharmacists there and what they do kind of gave me that insight and so i decided to go to a pharmacy school so i'm completing. I'm trying to go full circle of what I wanted to do from that point on. So, um, that's the reason for my fellowship.
0: Um, that's, I, I honestly didn't know that, that you were that you had prior experience working for a pharmaceutical company and that you were interested in research like that. Yeah. Um, is there a certain phase, whether it's like the preclinical phase one, phase two, phase three, or is it more actually creating the drug that you're in? For? More
2: of the phase one, phase two, phase three, as mm-hmm. far as the fellowship that I'll be doing at, uh, Johnson and Johnson. Um, as far as the clinical research aspect mm-hmm. goes, um, less of wet lab bench work, more of, um, the study designs
0: and so on and so forth of uh, bringing the drug forward. Okay. So any, any new drugs that come out, um, we're going to have to get in touch with Ramon. He's gonna have <laughs> going to be these trials to us. <laughs> you're going to be working on them if they come from Johnson and Johnson,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, assessing the study trials and so on to, to see if it makes uh, you know good sense to put the drug forward.
0: Okay. So basically, if you're listening and you hear this and you have to do a journal club and it's a Johnson and Johnson drug, uh, you have to hit up Ramon he'll give <laughs> the tidbits on the trial. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And what about you, Mike?
1: So uh, similar to Ramon, I also had an internship in a industry company. And, um, for that time, what I was dealing with was more like body on a chip research. And if you guys haven't known what it is, I really recommend you to look it up and figure or, or research about it because it's very interesting. And one of the things that led me to go more into the industry route was the fact that I was limited on what I could do with this research. Like it was very forefront and innovative. And I thought, why wasn't, why weren't we using it in our like drug verification process? Right. So from there, that was when everyone told me, Oh, you have to get through the FDA. And after after I looked up more about the FDA, I just realized I was more interested in regulatory affairs, which led me to wanting to go into pharmacy school in order to learn more about drugs, in order to learn about the drug development process. And that was how it sparked my need to go into fellowship. Most people, when you start pharmacy school, I know UF put a big emphasis on residency versus fellowship. But throughout the whole time, I just felt more that for clinical needs, I wasn't as interested as I was in the drug development process, which is why I favored the fellowship route more than anything.
0: Got it. And... Can you kind of give a brief explanation for, to what regulatory affairs is, um, to our listeners, please?
1: Of course. So like, so for me, I believe the purpose of medicine is to improve the level of comfort or standard of living for patients who takes that medicine. And in order for that to happen, you need a system of checks that's required to prevent the types of drugs that may have been like made through shortcuts, or it's just like they just wanted to get to the public as fast as possible. With regulatory affairs, you're able to contribute in making sure that not only the best drugs are made available, but they are of high quality. And that's why I wanted to pursue regulatory affairs.
0: Got it. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And um Rachel just hopped on for everybody that doesn't know Rachel. Rachel is a 2PD and she has been kind of helping um, Sean and I out with a lot of our Instagram posts. So her and Alvin are usually responsible for for the social media aspect of our of our podcast team. So, Rachel, I don't know if you want to give a brief introduction to, to everybody.
3: Sure. Hi, everyone. So um, I'm Rachel. As Jovan said, I'm a two PD. Um, I was just brought onto the team last year after Alvin and I did an interview. So we're hoping to continue the legacy of the podcast and um, you know just like interview people and you know, spread the word about pharmacy and what we do at UF College Pharmacy in Orlando. So definitely.
0: definitely. So thank you so much for, for coming on, Rachel. So all right, back to back to Ramon and my. So what are some of the opportunities that become available um, after doing a fellowship? So basically, I'm kind of wondering why you guys decided to do a fellowship versus just trying to straight up go and work for a ph- pharmaceutical company. Right. So
2: as far as getting a fellowship, there are many ways that you can start working in the industry. So you could apply straight to, you know, getting a job. But what a fellowship does, it gives you more direct training, more specialty in whatever you, whatever area you want to do. Um, so whether you want to do uh, meta affairs or regulatory affairs, you'll be trained in that area uh, as a specialty versus just having a job and in that position for, you know, however many years, you're not really learning as much as if you have, if you were in a position of a fellowship and being trained specifically for, you know, certain things. Similar to a residency when you you do those um weekly changes and learn different things in different areas. And so you get that specialty training. Another mm-hmm. good thing about getting a residency, um, when you a uh, fellowship, sorry especially when you do an academic-based um, fellowship. So through, for example, for me, through Rutgers, you get that academic side. So you have both sides. You have the industry where you're working like a job and getting that experience, but you also have the faculty, you have that network. You can do mid-year and still participate in academic um, activities as well. So even for some programs, it is mandatory within the fellowship that you are a adjunct professor. So you can be an adjunct prof professor. Some fellowships it's optional. So it just create more opportunity for you to develop when you have a fellowship versus just going into getting a, a job at a pharmaceutical company. And you have a higher chance of, you know, um promotions and so on and so forth. Getting positions that,
0: you know, uh you're specialized in. Got it. And then, um, is academia something that you're personally interested in? Personally, no,
2: but (laughs) you do have, you do have that opportunity. If you want to, you can, Mm -hmm. you know, do that. And, and also the bigger thing is having the network of that. You have, you know, professors you can reach out to that can help you to go on different projects as well as you're working. So for me, I, I will be at Johnson and Johnson and I'll be, I'll be having a preceptor there. Um, doing whatever it is that we're doing on site. But also, I will have Rutgers professors that I can reach out to for, you know, if I want to do projects with them for further development, I have that aspect of it. So it's like a merge. So you get, I think, a more well-rounded, um, experience. Definitely. And e- even the ones that aren't, um, academic-based, you, you still, they're still good, um, fellowships but it's just more yeah. um, on the job side of
0: things got it got it yeah and i can see that that could be beneficial because just like with i feel like everybody kind of knows about residencies but just because you want to work in a hospital that doesn't mean you know exactly what you want to do so the more exposure you have to something the more you can either rule like put it on the the side if if you do if you do like a chart or something like that put it on one side where it's like all right i know i want to do this or i know i don't want to do this so it's, I think the more exposure, the better. So that's kind of awesome that Rutgers gives you that. Um, the Rutgers fellowship program gives you that opportunity that you can also be exposed to some academia. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about you, Mai? What were some of the what kind of opportunities do you feel become available through a fellowship versus just working for a pharmaceutical company?
1: Uh, what Ramon just stated was actually everything that I was going to say, really. But um, yeah, with fellowships, like there is no wrong or right answers in anyone's career, really. You can either go straight for a company or you can do a fellowship. For me, I really wanted to get the whole networking aspect as well as getting to meet the people who are very well known and top in their fields to learn from them. And for me, doing a fellowship was the best way for me to go about that realm. Unlike Ramon, I really like the academic aspect for it so i'm very excited to have the um opportunity to be an adjunct professor at one of the colleges that we plan to work with so that for me like so if you wanted to go straight into the company you can um it's just like sometimes there are some barriers and people believe that having the fellowship can uh, like reduce the amount of barriers you have to go through but really like you learn in pharmacy school everything is dependent on your hard work so you can go either way, really.
0: Got it. So no wrong answers, just personal preferences, really, mm-hmm. um, is is what I'm getting from both of you. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um. So as like a second year student now, like I'm starting to think about these things because my the way I kind of handled my second year so far, I just I took on like a lot of leadership positions in school, but now I'm trying to like shift my focus towards the future and like trying to secure a job. So now I'm kind of transitioning to like looking into hospital pharmacy and looking into like different opportunities like fellowships or residency. So I guess my kind of question regarding, um, you know, fellowships would be what the application process was like. Um, is it kind of like a universal system, like forecasts, or is it its own separate entity? And what was the timeline of things? Like, when did you start thinking about applying and when did you start submitting, um, your applications? Okay. Well, um, you're going to get great exposure from both me and Ramon today
1: since, um, <laughs> I went for the more private sector and then Ramon, he went the actual full nine yards for a fellowship process. But, um, I can tell you it is, especially since it was during COVID. It was crazy. Um, normally, you guys, for residency, you guys have forecasts. So you have the deadlines in front of you. Everything's nicely done. But for fellowship, um, everything was like on the spur moment for me. I felt like I was always behind on things just because we didn't have a... We There is IPHL, the industry fellowship site. But literally, you had to go through the companies themselves just to figure out when the deadlines for these companies were or what actual company gave out fellowships really you it was a lot of research and that was one of the time consuming things and unlike residency which is one of the qualms i had was that with residency application you have the whole month of december to prep your essays to get your interview skills up everything you have that whole month off during your rotations whereas with fellowship it is expected that you're doing all this process while you're in rotations so if you randomly get an interview be prepared the moment that they say, oh, you got an interview, you're going to interview within the next three to five days. It's like very on the spur moment for it. And that was what I found to be very stressful. Um, For me, that's, it's very fun, though. But it's just like, you just have to consider that with fellowship versus residency. With residency, you will have this good chunk of time off. Whereas fellowship, be prepared to hit the ground running and always be applying for things.
0: Around like, um do you know like which months? Was it October, November, December were these applications due? At least the ones you were looking at? So
1: it varied. Each company had their own deadline. So like with, so I just keep applying or I, I'm i just going to keep um referencing back to residency. So you guys have like January as mo- most. Yeah. January as the deadline for you guys. For mm-hmm. us, it varied anywhere from August to December. And you know, there's still fellowships being like, applied for right now too. So you just wow. got to make sure you got to keep looking for them as well as with the forecast application, you can tell your letter of recommendations or recommenders to like send the letters out. But with each company that you apply for, for fellowship, the letters of recs you get have to be specific pertaining to that company. So you're a person who writes the letters, be prepared to let them know that you're not just going to be writing for only one letter. They all have their own different timelines when they want the letter of rec submitted.
0: Yeah. And I can see that definitely be a problem because these people are probably extremely busy
1: <laughs>
0: yes. need a letter of rec. And if it's not as much of a system as forecast where you know for a fact this is when it's due, like you said, spur of the moment. Was there like, for example, for you, was there a place that you looked at and then you, as soon as you found out, um About it, it was like due in two weeks or something like that.
1: Yes. Um. So okay. with yeah. fellowships, we use PPS. Um. Ramon, you can go into more detail about that if you like.
2: Yeah. So, so as I was saying, with with the with applying for fellowship during APP, could be it was challenging, uh, especially with COVID and all that. But in a way, COVID made it a bit easier due to. Um, everything being virtual. So the interview process at the end of the process, it was, that part was, was easier, but getting everything together while you're on rotations, getting your assignments done, you know, prepping for tomorrow. And then, you know, having to write a letter of intent for three companies that you're interested in and then writing emails for your letter of recommendation. Um, it, it can be time consuming, um, but it's it's definitely manageable. Um, the good thing for me that I did, I've always been keeping my CV updated. So from July, I think we had a um, an assignment for PPD. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to PPD. <laughs> to have...
0: The only time they'll ever get a shout out.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> so we had to do it. So it was kind of up, updated, and then for each um, rotation that I did, I just kept updating it up until that point. So I had little work to do with the CV, um, LOIs, letter of intents, um, those I, I would work on, on them in the nights, um, for, for the application. So that process was a, a bit difficult because of being on rotation. So it would be nice to have that free time off, uh, as, um, residency application would. So. As far as the, the type, whether it's universal or standard, you have some that are standalone uh, and you can apply to those. And for similar to forecast, they have PPS, which is still through SHP. Um, so you apply for that and that's, that's an easier process for sure because you upload everything once and then you just apply to the companies that you like. The standalones, they have their own deadlines. So you have to keep up with that. You may have to. They might submit, you may have to submit through a portal or they'll send you an email address that you send everything to. And then when it's like that, then you have to let your, your letter writers, your letter of recommendation, uh, let them know where to send them. So that in itself too can be tedious. So mm-hmm. I would, I would write one email and send all the places to, to send it instead of writing multiple emails to your letter writers. So it's easier for them because, you know, they're, busy people so definitely you have to consider that as well so that makes it a bit more difficult sometimes when it's um you're doing multiple standalones so the the pps definitely makes it it nicer and easier to to send everything got it and then as far as timeline um mm -hmm. so most open up from i would say the beginning of october time up until most I would say December. I know, I know Mai just said some fellowships are still going, but for the majority, of their deadline is closer to the end of November, um, early December. So that's usually the timeline. That's what it took for, for the entire process for me. And then interviews were through
0: December. Okay. And thank you for sharing that because I think um, it's important for students that know what they're interested in, if it's a fellowship or a residency to how to kind of schedule their rotations. So knowing that majority could possibly be the end of November or December, maybe you would want to have that that portion of that rotation off so that way you have time to make sure you you do the letter of intents for each site. You can write a well-written one because, you know, if you're working 40 hours a week on rotation, you're also doing a job on the side part-time, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to, to squeeze out that time to write those letter of intents and prepare for each interview. And, um, and stuff like that. So I think that's, that's important to note. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. So what are some of the things you considered when trying to decide which fellowship is right for you? So
2: I would say, um, see the fellowships that spark your interest. Um, sometimes it's difficult to know what exactly uh, would spark your interest because we have, uh, I would say, limited exposure to the different areas. Um, for example, even for me, I like regulatory affairs before as well, just as Maya did. But during my time, it's not that I switch focus, but it's more that I'm also interested in, um, clinical research. And, you know, for Johnson Johnson, I'll be work- I'll be working on a, like a multifunctional team with all these areas. So I will also be learning from all these people who were also my interviewers for, for the program. So I, I, th- I thought that would be beneficial. And a part of that was in their description of, of their fellowship. Mm-hmm. So I would say seeking it, you know, search, re- do your research, try to find out what the fellowship is about. I would attend webinars, see when they have webinars and attend those so you can speak to the current fellows and in lifetime so you can ask questions. And a good thing I want to um, recommend is getting a LinkedIn. That's for fellowship. That is uh, like the the thing that you need to get. You have to have a LinkedIn to get in network, so you can talk to people, um, ask questions, become familiar. Um, so that's what I would have for as far as looking seeking a, a fellowship. Um, look at the description and see what you would want. Um, get the clarity of what the fellowship will entail um, so you can know what exactly you would want to do.
3: So I had a follow-up question about LinkedIn specifically because um, someone recently talked to me about it. They were like, oh, you should look into getting a LinkedIn. And I was like, I've never even heard of anyone in my school like having one and like using it. So I was maybe, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's like not a pharmacy thing. It's just like people, we have like another like platform that we use, but now that you brought it up, I kind of wanted to ask you, um, I mean, this is kind of like an off topic question, but I know LinkedIn has kind of turned into like a social media kind of platform in a way, like there's now ways you can like post stuff and share things that interest you. So is that something that you participate in? Because like as a job, like when you're looking for jobs, like I'm sure you want to like, obviously keep the most professional profile, but... Do you like share things that are pharmacy related like current events or do you kind of just keep like a low profile?
2: Well, for me, I keep a low profile, but I also share, you know, one or two things. But I see LinkedIn as just a, a virtual business card. Um you can have, you know, whatever it is that you are interested in on LinkedIn in a professional uh, way. So, you know, your background, your school, um, the things that you have done. Um, I've seen people have their whole CV on LinkedIn. So, you know, and, and it builds your networking. Um, it's, it's really easy just to, um, email someone that you saw at a, maybe a webinar or a conference and you add them on LinkedIn. It's really easy to just um, reach out to them, ask a question. Um, I've reached out to the president of IPHO, the founder of IPHO, and he's there. He's directed me in, you know, in making connections and starting up a conversation with our current fellows right now, um, at the time. So it just goes, it just goes a far way. It's easy to reach out. So I would say I would recommend having, um, LinkedIn and even for fellowships, the people that you're applying for these positions, the companies, they actually will look at your profile and see you know what it is. And it, it, it's, it just makes it easier for introduction when you have a professional platform
0: like that. Yeah. And, and to add on to that, I think it's up to you, Rachel, if you want to do more of a low profile like Ramon, or if you want to post things. Because I've seen people also post maybe pharmacy things. So right now, COVID 19 vaccines, I see that a lot when people have gone to help out. I think that's a great thing to post. You know, I don't think any pharmaceutical company would look down upon that um, posting that you were helping out the community and vaccinating people. Um, maybe if you just got a a recent publication, you know, there's no problem posting that, you know? So I think as long as it's like pharmacy related content, um, I think any pharmaceutical company or, or job, any pharmacy job that you're interested in would be okay with it. So I would just try to keep it pharmacy related content and everything else could be for the Instagrams and the Facebooks and stuff like that. Yeah, for
2: sure. That would definitely be a plus to have an active LinkedIn that's professional.
1: Yeah, I agree with Ramon. Um especially since I use my LinkedIn as a way to look for other pharmacists and if I ever have a question about it, um I know Ramon and I we've been invited to the Fellowship LinkedIn uh group and we're just chatting with um other fellows who just got their fellowships to see like what it's like. It's it's more of a way to connect as well as if you don't understand any like a certain field of pharmacy, people are very open to t- when you reach out to them and you ask them questions. I know with um, one of the fellows that I spoke to when I was applying, they're like to them, it's more important that if you wanted this fellowship, you would reach out to them. And by the way, you can reach out is through LinkedIn because that is a professional manner. You can message them and be like, hey, I want to have like 30 minutes of your time. Do you have time to talk about it? They really like that kind of thing. And that can also be like something that makes or breaks like your way of getting into that company as well. For me, I recommend to anyone who has a LinkedIn that if you're interested in any company for any residency, anything in general, Go to their main LinkedIn page and like it because if they see that you like it already, they know that you're more invested into their company or like hospital than other applicants. It's something that will stand out even if you think it's minor, but it's it's a very big impact to your application.
3: That's actually really nice because... I think what I'm facing right now when I'm like applying for hospital intern positions is like, I'm sending emails constantly and I just feel like they're getting lost in translation. And, um, I think that's really good advice going forward is to have a LinkedIn because it's like your face and everything you have and like just contacting them directly. And it's just like showing your face as well as, you know, everything you're about. And pretty much like you were saying, you can have your whole CV on your profile. So it's, like right there and they can just click and then they can see what you're about and then, you know, go from there. So I think that's just a really good venue to professionally talk to people. So I'm actually probably going to make my LinkedIn like sometime soon because you guys are inspiring me to do it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the thing about applying to fellowships or residencies is, is, you know, we always talk about doing something that stands out, that sets you apart. Um, and this is one thing for sure. If you reach out to someone who's at the company, um, sometimes they are the same persons that are doing the interviews. So if, if your name is already familiar with them through LinkedIn, messaging them, asking about uh, the position and showing your interest, and then they see your application, that's definitely one thing that can set you apart from other, the other thousands or thousands of applicants that are coming in. That's just something to, to keep in mind as well.
1: And also, for my advice for interviews, if you can find them on LinkedIn and learn a little bit about their background, like that's your mini research on how you should approach the conversation. Like, just knowing that, like, I know that for my interviews, once I figure out oh, what was their background in, I would try to make the conversation about them because honestly, um, you're there to learn how they work and you want to understand them. Like interview is a two-way process. Using the LinkedIn is just a way to help you do better in your interview. That is my advice as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's really solid advice. It definitely gives you a more personal interaction um, and gives you a face to the people that you may one day interact or even work with. So kind of going off, you talking about interviews. What was the interview experience like for fellowships, and how many places did you apply to, and how many interviews did you um, obtain?
1: I'll let Ramon go first because um, he might have to leave soon, but his process was very <laughs> interesting. Uh,
2: so um I did five i I did uh, five I applied to five positions. I did four interviews. So the process as as we spoke about it was a bit uh, tedious at first as far as having to deal with rotations at the same time um it can come off as intimidating trying to get your letter of intent perfect and your c v you know perfect so um what I wanna say about you know even doing writing your letter of intent or your c v to anyone that Considering doing this route is, uh, don't doubt yourself. Just always try to, um, have the essentials. As long as you have the essentials for your letter of intent and your CV, just, um, go for it. Apply. You never know. Cause I got most, most of my interviews that I got, they were first round, second round, and the two, there were two that I got the third round interview. So they were, you know, they were, um, it was positive for me as far as the the entire process going, moving from, you know, just applying to one thinking I'm, I should apply to only one place and then getting so many interviews. So Got it. yeah, that's, that's one thing I would say, um, just go out and and make it happen.
0: Got it. And, um, since like, as my said, you kind of have to leave in a little bit. Um, but before you go, is there, for the students that are still like first-year students, second-year students, and even third-year students, is there any advice that you can give them to kind of help them stand out? They feel like they're not adequate, their CVs aren't adequate enough to get a fellowship. Is there anything you think that they could do? Right. So have
2: multiple people look at it. Have a professor or a preceptor look look at it, right? The best one that you think um, you can come up with. Um this is your time for the entire interview process, writing your letter of intent, doing your C V this is the time or the only time that you get to really boast about yourself. Really, you know, put it put yourself out there, uh, make yourself look good. Um be your own wingman, so to speak. <laughs> um Yeah. Um whatever you did on your rotations, um when you're putting it on your CV. Expand on it, talk about it. Um, show your involvement. Use more active words that you did instead of saying like you participated, use words like you executed, stuff like that. So it stands out on your C V. Um your your letter of intent, uh make sure it has the I'm saying that a lot because um I have colleagues who didn't apply to certain positions because they think they weren't good enough. Yeah. yeah. So I'm saying that I'm coming from that aspect because, you know, you, you're, you're in pharmacy school. You're doing a great job. Just, um, put whatever you've done in your CV, um, write your letter of intent. As long as it has the essentials, it's good enough. Um, you can always do the tweaks and you, you know, we get really picky about every little thing. It's fine. Just send it yeah. out. I, actually one of my, one of the places I, I, um, applied to they got a version of my letter of intent that was not the final version <laughs> and i found out later on and i thought it was you know it's a disaster at that point and i still got an interview for that so wow. you know they they didn't even know they didn't get my final <laughs> <book>. <laughs> so you know that's why i'm saying just just go through with it Write a good letter of intent have someone review it um you know, make sure everything is fine as far as grammar goes and CV. When you're right, asking for a letter of recommendations, ask for a positive letter of recommendations from a preceptor or professor that you've worked well with and they know you and they, they'll, they'll write you a good letter. So those
0: are, those are some of the things that I would um, recommend at this point. And um, um, you mentioned rotations. Did you have one of those industry rotations? I have one coming up. Oh, coming up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. See, My okay. next rotation is an uh, industry
2: rotation. I wanted it earlier, but, um, it still know, worked out for you. Yeah. It still worked out. So, I mean, that would be a, be a good thing just to see from, from their company anyways. And mm-hmm. then for, for interview, one thing, um, I want to say is use the star method, the star technique. It's, yes. it's actually good. Um, practice it. Have multiple stories for, for each behavior question that you may have. Um, and continue just to practice so it can flow while you're in the interview. Um, that, that was very helpful when I had multiple interviews. And the more, more interviews you do, the better you become. It becomes, uh, just having a conversation at that point afterwards. So if you can practice and practice with a friend or, you know, a colleague that's in it. Maya and I did a, did one. Really? <laughs> we,
1: yeah, we, we were <laughs> or- <laughs> practicing each other. <laughs>
2: Okay. Yeah. So that, that was, that was good, good practice. So, um, yeah. So I would, I would say have multiple interviews. So, if, you know, if the interviewer, they may ask you a behavioral question and then you can look up a list of common behavioral questions in interviews and just practice with those. But, you know, if they ask you, you know, they say, tell me about the time when you faced a challenge. Yeah. You can just pull. Maybe two, just have two or three stories that you can just go off with and use the star technique and just wrap it up. That's what they're looking for.
0: Got and it. It's easier for you to be prepared that way. Got it. And then for for everybody listening, the star technique is just um situation, task, action, and result. Result. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the. That's so, yes. technique. So that's something that um you can you can kinda Google, search it, and um apply that for your interviews, as Ramon's saying, it kinda helps you with your interview experience. And um is there anything any last minute things you want to do before you go? You oh, wanna... oh, no that that's it. Just mm-hmm. as I as,
2: as I was saying, just don't doubt yourself. It, you're all good. Just write. Have the essential focus on the essentials, make sure your letter of intent ha- states why you're applying, um mm-hmm. why you're the the right candidate for this position and, you know, make sure your CV is on point and have your letter of recommendation and also be mindful of the, the deadlines and all that. So that's, I mean, I may have more. So if, if anyone want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can give them my, my email address. Okay. If, if anyone wants to reach out and ask more questions, yeah. seeing that this is a short time, but
0: yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. I'll put that in our show notes in the description. I could put your LinkedIn um, and then also your email if anybody wants to reach out to you. So thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a busy man. You got another uh, another interview you have to do right now. But um, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Right, bye, guys.
3: You,
0: All right, my now you're the, the star of the show.
1: <laughs> no worries, no worries.
0: So,
1: um, okay, so I was hoping that Ramon would go more into the process, but I'll tell you guys a bit about the fellowship process. So most companies, um, if you go through the PPS or their own company as well, you normally have three rounds of interview, depending on the company. And what they ask for you is that each interview will be with certain people. So the first one will probably be with the people that are like, the first, the fellows, the fellows themselves, whereas the second interview will be more with the upper management of the company, and they want to see how you work with them. And if they like you from the second round of interview, uh, like Ramon, he got invited to the mixer, and that normally takes place during pe- um, mid-year as well. And what this mixer is, is just they want to see how well you adapt to the people in the company, and if they feel that you are very likable. Mm. and. So it's another way to like say that um kind of like they want to make sure that do we vibe well with each other kind of deal. Yeah. And then from there, you'll get they'll send you an email saying that, oh, you have a third round of interview. And that would be with like essentially that could be an all day process or a few hours. It depends on the company itself, really. Mm-hmm. But that's well they'll ask you more technical questions as well as you're expected to present a presentation the day of. Um The presentation can take anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. Um, some companies will let you pick the topic that you want to present or they will assign you a presentation the day of and tell you to present on it. And they'll ask you questions about your presentation. And then from there, if they like you enough, then you'll get your acceptance.
0: Thank you. That was very thorough. Um, so with those those three parts, those three rounds, is that has it always been that way or was it because of COVID? They kind of made it that way.
1: It's always been that way. But with COVID, I know some companies just they just cut it short so that you have two rounds instead yeah. of three. Oh, and, and the it's like more of Rutgers and the bigger schools that will have the mixers during mid-year. But if you're more for the smaller companies or the private ones, they won't have that mixer. And they'll probably just have you do two rounds where essentially the first round is with the fellows. And then the second one will be the big one with everyone. And you'll be expected to do the presentation the day of.
0: Guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Phil.
1: Yeah. So be prepared guys when you're applying and you get the interviews that you at one point you'll be expected to present. Uh you may know what you're presenting on or you may not. Like for me, for my interview process, they told me that they wouldn't let me know what it is until thirty minutes before the presentation. Read the document and present it to them.
0: Wow. That's intense.
1: <laughs> it was, but it, it was fun because like for me, like how you approach the situation is really going to change how you interview. For mm-hmm. me, I thought, okay, I'm going to present in front of all these regulatory affairs specialists who are top of their game. This is a learning opportunity for me for them to critique on anything that I might have done and to accept it because if this is the field I want to be in, I want to learn as much as I can and I'll accept all the criticisms. And that was something that they really liked about my application they told me that other applicants they are more nervous and but they were like you just went through it naturally which was kind of shocking but like
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. You know you're a go getter.
1: Oh no. But yeah, just how you like my advice for anyone who's interviewing, I got this from Ramon and it really changed my interview style is that you wanna develop this flow during the interview where it doesn't feel like you guys are just alternating questions and answer anymore. You want to feel like you guys are just having a conversation. And when you get to that stage in the interview, that's when you'll know that this is the company is right for you. They like you and you want to work with them by having that kind of atmosphere instead of just having questions, answer, question, answer. It'll, it'll change the whole way that um, the process will be for you. Honestly.
0: Definitely. And I could see how that is very pivotal. Very, very vital for any company and also for the person applying to understand that they're able to have that type of rapport. Because without that, like you said earlier, there's probably no better word than to say the vibe, but you have to get a great feel for the culture and the environment to see if that is a type of environment that you can excel in and that they can also excel in teaching you. And I think um, a lot of times, some of us, we just look for the job rather than is it the right opportunity for us? And that's probably a very important thing. And I'm glad that you really touched on that.
3: Yeah, I think that's important too, because I think coming from like the interviewer side, they probably go through so many interviews with students. So, of course, it's just like robotic after a time. So, like what Ramon said, of just like making it into a conversation, I think mm-hmm. that's key to this because then it kind of makes you stand out as well. Because I don't think, I don't think a lot of people interviewing are probably nervous and stuff. So, it's like, You know can sound like question answer question answer but i think just making it you know more natural and just have like a vibe i guess is what you said is the perfect word for it but i think that's pretty important to have yeah
0: and um i don't think you got a chance to answer this answer this question my but how many places did you apply to and how many interviews did you have if you feel like sharing you don't have to
1: honestly i'm not gonna lie i've lost track of how many i applied to (laughs) just know that i was applying every friday because that was a deadline for a new one i was like god dang it like every time i was like there's a new application due today are you kidding me yeah. like yeah that's that was my stress right there um ramon he did his beautifully he, he had all his deadline set but for me i was like i felt like i was always learning but i was able to get four interviews so um with each company i had a different type of interview so the first one they had webinar and that was with the people who are specializing with a different company, uh, one thing they also like to do is that they will make the fellow call you on your cell phone and you will have a phone interview that lasts about 10 minutes. And they just want to see if they can connect to you. And then from there, then you go to the second round of interview. So your first round can also be a phone interview or a webinar. Um, for the one that I did get the company with, that one was special for me because, um, so the first day was the webinar, but it was like about thirty minutes. And then they sent me a request later saying they wanted to do the final interview with me. And that was it went from literally eight o'clock all the way to three o'clock and I had every thirty minute interview or thirty minute increment was an interview with a different person from the company.
2: My goodness. Yeah.
1: So be prepared for that. Um It, it does take a while, but at least they give you lunch. And the one thing I liked about it was that I got to have lunch to myself. So Mm -hmm. I know that in like, um, before COVID, you would have, they, the company will actually fly you out to the state. So when you get the third round interview, consider that very big deal because that's where the company is willing to spend thousands of dollars on you just to fly you out to where they're at, to feed you, to give you a hotel lodging. Everything is paid for. That is a big deal, and unfortunately, we weren't able to get that experience because of COVID. But if you guys do get it after COVID's gone, that is a huge deal. And congratulations to anyone who has reached that stage.
0: I, I wish I would have known about that perk uh, before. <laughs> before I, I decided not to apply for fellowships because uh, that that could have changed some things. And um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, how costly applying for all these different things are and I realized that very soon after applying for residencies and also the trip to the site you know so that could limit you as far as traveling let's say if you're interested in working in California but then you have to travel for an interview as far as residencies they don't as far as I know residencies don't pay for you so that's that's got to come out of your own budget but to hear that fellowships pay for you that's that's a that's a really good perk that's a really good thing to know
1: yeah, so that that's one thing. Um, but yeah, those were my interview sessions. About uh, mm-hmm. four, yeah,
0: about four. Well, awesome. Okay, and then how did? Or sorry, go ahead, Rachel. I know you wanted to ask. Yeah, so
3: <laughs> <laughs> kind of touching on like interviews and stuff, just kind of switching gears. So when you were actually in pharmacy school, mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna have this problem just because I'm so like aware of what everyone else is doing and. I get nervous because I'm like hey like a lot of people are doing the same positions in school like a lot of us are president elects a lot of people are involved in all these organizations a lot of people have at least one or two jobs um, pharmacy jobs so like someone could be working in retail and hospital or compounding so it's just I think it's there's like a lot of competition so of course which we all know but I think my question, because I think this is what I'm starting to think about now, is how did you set yourself apart from others when applying to these fellowships?
1: So I agree with you how um, I felt how you felt about how everyone has similar positions to everyone. But I know the one thing that I always made myself to make, uh, be different from others was that so IPHL, we have a competition. Um, AMCP, they also have a competition. And. Whenever you see a competition on campus, I recommend like going for it and just trying to put yourself to understand that process. Because one of the things that most people don't know is that those competitions, I use them a lot in my interview sessions, but also the letter of intent will be what sets you apart from everyone else. I went through multiple drafts of that thing, and honestly, when anyone... From my interview mentioned it to me. I was like, okay, be prepared for whatever they're gonna say because you better know that stuff. But they told me that my letter of intent was what set me apart from a lot of the applicants. And the C V as well. For industry, unlike residency, your GPA does not matter as much as long as you don't have like under like um I want to say a 2.8. But then again, they won't even know what your GPA is. Industry doesn't know what your GPA is. Um your letter of intent is what's gonna set you apart as well as your C V. And because, like I stated before, this is COVID time, your CV and your letter of intent will make it or break it for you. Because if they see grammatical errors and like the fact that you didn't like make sure it was proofread or anything like that, that can just your application will be thrown away right away. For the application, from what I remember, it seemed that as long as you applied at least a week or two ahead of time before the other applicants, because it is a kind of rolling admission for fellowship. So make sure you you're prepared to submit it earlier than um the deadline. Um, so with that being said, you just want to make sure your letter of intent, your CV is on point, as well as the fact that if the earlier you submit it, you're more guaranteed to have an interview spot.
0: Good. Okay, yeah, that's good to know because that differs from residency sites. Um, so that's that's something that's important to know. And as far as other things. Like um, like Rachel was asking as far as setting yourself apart, um, just throwing stuff out there. Uh, Would you say like volunteer experience? Um, possibly doing research. Would research be beneficial if you're interested in industry? Is there anything aside from the student orgs? Because like Rachel said, and that's something that I I've also done too. When we kind of we can't help but compare ourselves to other classmates, and it's I always think about there's hundreds of pharmacy schools and they have the same organization. So they're going to have people in the same positions. Like what about me besides my personality, what can I put on my CV that helps me stand out? So would you say like research is a possible thing um, besides the competitions? You already touched on that. So like research, um, maybe just shadowing at pharmaceutical companies, anything, anything you could think of that can kind of help a student separate themselves from others when applying for a fellowship.
1: So definitely research, like you stated, can help you stand out as well because, um, as well as publications. Having research and publications can help you stand out because, um, one thing is that publications don't come that often because amongst our classmates, especially since it's very hard to go through that process. So if you have at least one, I feel that that also helps you stand out and they get an idea of how well you work with others as well as how hard you're willing to work with. Um, for me, uh, volunteer experience you can have them on your CV as well. I wouldn't throw it into this uh, letter of intent, honestly, unless it's very impactful and it it was what led you to want to do industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the one thing I had to do, and I knew this was a fact that yes, everyone will say go get your CV reviewed by others, right? But you want to make sure that the person who's reviewing your CV specializes in industry because they know what people are looking for. And yeah. for me, I honestly, I had to get someone, I paid someone from an industry um, place to look at my CV. And he literally ripped it apart for me because with UF, they give us a certain CV format and we all tend to follow it. Yeah. And for him to go in there and tell me, this is what industry likes. This is what will set you apart. And he even asked me questions like, What did you think you did differently from others? Like he helped guide me, and then that was how he we developed the CV and the letter of intent.
0: Honestly, and And, oh, sorry, no, go go
1: continue. Uh, Oh, I was going to say, um,
0: you made me think of my career coach. Um, so that's one of the fortunate things that we have here at UF. And my career coach actually has a a industry background. Mm -hmm. Uh, She also did a residency, so she did a residency, then she did a fellowship, so she had both both of those experiences. So. I remember sending her my CV one time and she, she uh, beautifully did the same thing and just destroyed my CV, but she gave great, great feedback. So it's like, Hey, if this was, if you're, cause she knew I was like undecided at that point in time, if I wanted to do the industry or if I wanted to do a um, residency. So she kind of was like, Hey, if you're going to apply for a residency, this is how you should say this. If you're going to do a fellowship, this is how you should say this. So I think that's a great point that you mentioned because a lot of times we might go to maybe a faculty advisor or someone we know that's experienced in pharmacy, but how many people do we really know experience in industry? So it's like we have to get their perspective because they know exactly what these people in industry are looking at and what they want um, on our CV. And like you said, talking to them and you can really start to figure out the things that help you stand out compared to others, like what is different about you? compared to somebody else. And we got to make sure we say that um, in a way that doesn't sound like you're bragging, but say that in a way in your letter of intent to help you stand out.
1: Yes, exactly. And I know that with UF, we have many opportunities to take hold of, but sometimes it gets hard because it just feels like everyone else is doing the same thing. So the one thing I had to really do was that I had to find someone who specialized in industry and who was willing to look at my CV with me. That was the one thing that I had to do that helps Rachel. And I understand that everyone like that, that question is very hard to answer, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Sean, I feel like that that might be a good episode we should, we should, uh, we should table just kind of talking about um, that complex of comparing yourself to other students and not feeling like we're any better or any different from them and kind of figuring out ways to identify how you're different. I think we should, we should probably do an episode on that. Yeah, like ways to sort of reframe like your mindset so you don't worry mm-hmm. about that, and you start more of like prioritizing ways that you can improve yourself instead of comparing yourself to others. In exactly. A way. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, My. Look, My, we might have to add you to the podcast team. <laughs> Look at My helping us out for real. Um. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, My. Um. So our last question for you. And then feel free to ask us any questions that you have. Actually, no, sorry. I have, I have two questions for you. Okay. And then feel free to ask us any questions you have. Um, my next question for you is, is there any advice you want to give to current students that are interested in the fellowship and that are interested in the fellowship and how to obtain it?
1: Okay. Um, so honestly, the first go would be to be involved with IPHO. Uh, they will have, um, they will have resources for you to learn more about companies as well. But for me, I know that throughout the whole time of the fellowship, there was the companies was literally posting out webinars to explain about their fellowships. And I highly recommend for anyone to go look at those webinars to understand more about the company. Not only will this give you an aspect of what components of a fellowship you like or what you don't like, but you get to see like, is this what you really want? For me, I made sure that my fellowship had an academic um, proponent to it. And that was what helped me narrow down my choices. Um, another thing is that one of the things that I did during my interview process throughout the whole time I was doing rotation, I read this book um, and it really helped my interview session. I think it was how to, um, here, let me see if I can find it first. But it's like how to influence um, people and win friends that really helped me speak throughout my whole interview. So I highly recommend it for anyone to read that while they're going through the interview process. Oh, sorry. So the title is actually How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that's by um, Dale Carnegie. It's a really good book, and I highly recommend it. That was one thing that I did. Um, and also, with your class, make a Facebook group, like a private message group if you have to, like the way that Ramon and I did and see whoever is interested in applying for fellowships. So that way you don't feel like you're the only one in the process and that everyone's able to communicate with each other and be like, hey, how would you go about this question? Like you want to bounce ideas off of each other. And by doing that, you can develop your answers to be really well done. And um, another thing I would recommend is that I literally had a Google doc of all the interview questions that I could think that they would ask me, especially the behavioral questions. And I wrote my answers out and I would every night before I went to bed, I would just go straight through them one by one and try to answer those questions to the best of my ability. Because one thing that you will like they will note you on is how well you speak. And by practicing and practicing these responses so much, it'll just come naturally to you. And that's how you're going to develop that flow.
0: Got it. And. You're giving me great advice. So I'm probably going to have to text you later and ask you if I can borrow the book. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no for my
0: upcoming interviews. And, um, yeah, definitely. That's something that, uh, I was thinking about doing as well. Either first thing, first thing I do when I wake up or before I go to bed, um, to just have like a list of behavioral questions and, um, just kind of run through them and write, write them out. Like you said, actually write them out, write out my responses and practice it. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's great advice, and that's something I'm definitely going to apply for myself going forward. And then my last question was, Ramon was kind of speaking about this when he was talking about the fellowship, how there's different opportunities within the fellowship, um, even if it's like regulatory affairs. I know that's yours and his was like clinical um, research and development, I believe, that you kind of have the opportunity to gain some experience in maybe a different field. Now, is it easy for you to switch career paths in the industry?
1: So with industry, um, it's very easy to do horizontal movements. Okay. And horizontal is just you jumping from a different field, left and right. It's not like you're going up to be, you go from like associate director to director, then that would be more vertical. But you can also do that too. But with industry, when I spoke to a lot of the people who have been in there, they They tell me it's so easily done, and they really like the fact how flexible industry can be, which is another thing that led me to want to do fellowship or actually be in the industry field, is that you're not going to be stuck in one area. If you feel like you are stuck, you will have the ability to jump into any field you want, as long as you're willing to work hard for it.
0: All right. Well, I'm sold. Uh, (laughs) Kind of too late now for me to apply, but (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us and um, give all our listeners kind of a, a brief overview of the fellowship experience and how they can kind of set themselves apart as a student to get an interview and then what to do during the interview process, how to prepare themselves in order to, to not just get the interview, but also to get that acceptance letter and let them know that, hey, this position, this position is yours if you want it, which is what we all want to do.
1: Oh, and one more advice before I forget. Um, so with interview questions, another thing that I did, I just remembered, I'm sorry, is right. that you can also go on to YouTube and just type in how to interview questions and then people will teach you the responses as well as, because like Ramon and I said, a lot of our interviews was through the webcam. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure <laughs> that when you set your um, settings, you want to make sure that you are in a bright setting. So make sure you watch videos on how to present yourself through the webcam in the most professional manner as possible, as well as how to speak, because that will make it or break it because your lighting does make a difference, people. It really does.
0: Definitely. And um, yeah. And if you have any specific YouTube videos that you recommend, just um, send it to me. And then I can also add that to the show notes. So everybody they could, they could check those out. All right. So that's it for the questions I have. Rachel, Sean, do you guys have any questions for mine?
3: No, not that I can think of.
0: Yeah, not, not any, um, extra ones at the moment, but thank you again for your insights. Really? I think that'd be really helpful to our listeners. We're interested in the industry route. Mm-hmm, definitely. And this yeah, could also be applied to, I think a lot of just job application period. So whether if you want to do, um, A residency, as far as the letter of intent advice she was giving, how to set your stuff apart, the CV, things like that. I think that could also definitely apply for a residency and then also for an interview. Like she, you gave some great, great interview tips that will translate no matter what you're applying for. So that's something, whether it's pharmacy or not pharmacy, um, definitely, definitely some great things that that you guys recommended today. So before we let you go, Mai, Mm -hmm. is there any questions that you have for us?
1: Let's see. No, not that I think of, but if anyone wants to contact me or have any questions, you're more than welcome to contact me. Uh, you can use me through LinkedIn, email, or even Facebook. I'm very flexible with either one. All
0: right. So I'll get, um, I'll get all the information. I'll add that to the show notes as well. So yeah. thank you so much, Mai, for, for coming on. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on and being part of the host side, part of the host team today. Um, really appreciate it. And. Sean she did an amazing day. job. Yes. Yeah. Glad
3: to be here.
0: Definitely. And then thank you again, Sean, for, for coming on and helping us out as well. That being said, stay tuned to all any announcements that we post on Instagram at Capsule Production. Just keep in mind on Thursdays we have Test Your Knowledge Thursdays where we're still doing the Instagram quizzes, so you can just log in on Thursdays, check check our story. And um, answer a one-question quiz. It's multiple choice. Shouldn't take you more than like 10 seconds to answer the question. And um, just kind of help prepare you for the NAPLEX and also prepare you for preceptor type questions that you could possibly get. And um, be on the lookout soon. We hope to, to start getting involved in creating some infographics, some pharmacy infographics for everybody. So that's something new that um, we look forward to adding this year. And we're super thankful for everybody that was listening, that have been listening to us and that continue to listen to us and like and share our content so you guys are the best thank you so much and um stay tuned